Thursday to you. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday indeed. <laughs> oh, happy just mm. another day in quarantine. I don't think it wasn't the day of the week that was throwing me off. It was the happy part, which I was not on board with. Uh, not like to greet people. I don't know if you're experiencing this, but writing emails is terrifying. Because I literally have run out of nice ways to start emails. Because what the hell do you say? Oh, I just but I have a standard line. Times? Like yeah, yeah, that's it. That's my line, dude. In these strange times, in these trying times, that's it. I start oh every email with that. Somehow nobody responds with yeah. I hope you're okay too. Except like one or two people. Most of them are just like yeah, we know it's a line. It's fine. I actually prefer when people just don't acknowledge it in their emails to me. But maybe that's just me. That's not a very popular opinion. People like for it to be acknowledged. I don't know. Oh, so you are on emails the way I am in real life. Just <laughs> yep. want things to not be acknowledged. Just let's not talk about it. No. Let's move on from it. <laughs> yeah. You can't comfort me, so why why try? Yep, yep, yep. But it's just, it's so weird because in real life you're the exact opposite. You want everything said out loud you want everything directed at you in a very specific kind of way and in real life i'm exactly the way you are on email i don't want to talk you don't have to be polite anymore. about this we can just we can just chalk it out to me having high expectations from every single person around me and you and, and me having problems with handling emotions clearly we're a great pair um, fantastic I, I wonder where the relationship went wrong well done. Um. Um, okay, so today we're talking about something really interesting. Because the other day, Ananya said to me that he's watching... Uh, Ugly Delicious, yeah. Yeah, and then you said to me that the promise of these things in my future, of being able to try these new things, new food in my future, is what's keeping me going during this isolation. Yeah, yeah and, definitely. And I said to that, that is so strange. I am so unbelievably not looking forward to the future because just thinking about the future makes me so anxious right now that I'm consistently looking at my past. I'm not even able to watch new shows, right? Which is a big problem right now for me because everybody around me is like, watch this, watch this. And I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch Friends and Gilmore Girls because that's the only thing that gives me comfort. But I'm that's finishing not two or three else. shows a week right now, like new shows every day. Like I'm pummeling my way through episodes. Like, I finished one show today, like 10 minutes before this. And this is quite symptomatic of who we are as people. So that is true. We thought we would talk about looking forward versus looking back for comfort in uncertain times. A phrase I don't really love very much, but here we are. But it is uh, true. Yeah. So I do really like staying in and staying in with Emily and Kumail. I know you haven't heard this particular episode yet, but mm. they call this time the weirds. They've, oh yeah, I know, I know. Just coined this term, which is just a great name for it. I absolutely love it because you because you don't it really want to have odd times, new normal. Yep. I hate those. So the weird. I mean, today today I was chilling with uh, a couple of friends, and uh, we were playing badminton. We weren't standing close to each other, and there was enough distance, and all of us are safe. But one of them uh, was about to move to Canada uh, about 
a month ago mm-hmm. and suddenly everything got shut down and they told her oh it'll just take about a couple of weeks then we'll start flights up again so on and so forth today someone told her that flights aren't going to start until the 1st of june maybe yeah and i was talking to her about it and she just said yeah you know what i've sort of stopped planning for anything nah that's not good. till till i see an actual airplane flying overhead i will not plan my departure 100% so um, super uncertain but you know let, let's not talk about dates and where this is going and everything but i guess we just wanted to talk about how there's two kinds of people right because we're we're not we're not alone in this and we were in fact talking to another friend of ours anurag who is also like ananya right that's what he said he said in that many ways in many ways yeah get excited by the prospect of what's to come and my thesis is on nostalgia so that is a shock to nobody <laughs> because <laughs> i am in a healthy way i would like i would like to believe obsessed with the past uh, my personal past uh, even though every single word of my thesis critiques that obsession um but we won't talk about my thesis okay uh, so let's let's tackle this mm-hmm. what is it about the past that gives you comfort what is it that makes you feel secure should have thought about this before we actually started recording but um <laughs> No, just top of your oh, head. Whatever comes to your mind. Off the top of my head, I'd say that it reminds me of the time when I used when I experienced that particular thing in the first place. So, like, if I'm watching Friends, and then it will remind me of the time I used to watch Friends in school, or if I'm listening to a particular song, it will remind me of the time I used to listen to that song. And I think that's why associatively, my brain would like to. convince me that actually it is quite a simple time that you're living in right now it, it's a very it's a very unconscious thing and i'm okay. just i'm it's a loop I, i i it's i mean trust me i would like to be watching new shows and and thinking about the future right now not actually thinking that this is it 2020 this is all what 2020 is going to look like and be quite so, like negative about it i don't want to but it's almost like the only thing that gives me comfort when i actually put my laptop on i mean for example i'm reading harry potter right now it's the single most joyful thing about my day that i hope i can open my kindle and i can read harry potter you know what i mean so it's- so so let me let me try and break this down are you tricking your brain into feeling calm and secure by bringing up associative memories of times when you were calm and secure um, i know i'm being reductive right now that's no, perfectly fine no but i would i would actually say that's partially the case yes so your brain feels at peace because it's remembering a time when it was at peace yeah and and that is what nostalgia is right that, that i mean the fact that it makes me feel nostalgic in the first place is a is a bit of an illusion because it's not like when i was watching those things or listening to that music or reading those books back when i was 15 it, it's not that it's not like my life that then had no problems it's not like my life oh yeah i mean happy. i first of all no one super calm at 15 your yeah. body is just like this cauldron of hormones and everything super confusing and you're not a child and you're not an adult and you have no idea how things work but suddenly yeah. all of the things are working for the first time so yeah i i don't think anyone consciously associates being 15 with calmness when we right. really think about it but, but, but yeah i think we've deluded ourselves into believing exactly. that exactly let's let's talk about you is your feeling of comfort and optimism based on the mm. belief that actually 
yes, these things will restart in the near future and you will be able to go out and experience them. With with regard to this particular situation that we're in, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm under the delusion that things will not start up again. I'm 100% sure we will overcome this. I mean, of course, things will never be the exact same, but they'll go back to relative normalcy. And I'm sure of that. That said, both in terms of this virus and in life, my joy has always come from a sense of adventure or a sense of experimentation, a need to try new things. The idea that there is always something new to try and there's always something new to do or something new to experience is amazing because that means there is no end till it's the end. It's like listening to the opposite of me. <laughs> but but you get what I'm saying? Like, it's so easy for our brains right now in a situation like this, which none of us have ever seen the likes of, right? Mm. It's easy for our brains without us even knowing to perceive this as the end. That is why we are all constantly in crisis mode. I mean, we're all locked up in our houses and suffering from cabin fever, first of all. Yeah. Right. Number two, it's the uncertainty of death. Let's be honest and call it what it is. Mm. No matter how safe and sound we are in our houses, there is a chance we could still get the virus and die. Yeah. Right. That's a huge threat for our brains to process. So it's very easy for our brains to feel like, oh, this is the end. This is how it's going down and just give up. Right. Mm. But that idea of no, but there is a time in the future where all of this will pass. And then you can go to remote villages in Japan or a local street market in Mexico and try new things, amazing things, meet people you've never met before, have experiences you've never had before. It's a good way to get your brain out of that. This is the end feeling. Hmm, interesting. To be honest, as I'm talking to you, all these things are connecting in my mind with like other other things about our per- personality, right? Like you're an extrovert, I'm an introvert, right? Like all Yeah, of- people keep telling me that. I don't know if that's true. I do think you derive uh, energy from hmm. being around people. That's at least how I understand introversion, extroversion. I suppose. What recharges I suppose. you. Right? I suppose, yes. I, I do derive a certain energy from social interaction. You're right. Absolutely. And for me, it's the opposite. For me, it's being in my safe space, in my room. So all of this kind of ties together in some shape or form. Now, coming to the, to, coming to the very specific situation that we're in right now, I am not saying that I, I think that this will not end or that things will be, things have been changed forever, etc., etc. But my controversial anxious side of the personality convinces me that normalcy is not coming anytime soon it's not coming in 2020 yeah it's not coming even possibly in 2021 i think Mm. so the idea of taking a plane and flying wherever the hell we want to is not happening anytime soon so Mm. i don't want to think about it I don't want to put myself in a place where I can where I can immediately think about oh oh my god I would love to watch Bombay Bicycle Club live it's okay I just have to wait a couple of months no if I just had to wait a couple of months it would it would be okay to dwell in that possibility and derive pressure from it but since it mm. is uncertain amount of time away yeah. I don't want to then think about it I would rather open up my phone and open up a con- like a video of a concert that I saw in 2014 and just see all the videos that that might make me feel better because it might temporarily put me back there uh, standing uh. in the crowd 
Okay, it's interesting you say that. There is this theory. Your brain is equipped to deal with fatal blows. Your brain is equipped to deal with a huge event or a huge malady that happens to you, right? Mm-hmm. It's not equipped to deal with it in smaller amounts. So you know how people say when they get injured really badly for the first hour or so, they don't even realize it's happening. Yeah. They don't feel the pain. They don't feel anything, mm-hmm. right? That's your body going to shock. It's your body's way of protecting itself. If someone cuts you with a knife, like makes a cut on your arm, it'll hurt like hell mm-hmm. because your brain hasn't perceived that as a fatal threat. Oh, so it's not blocking it out. Right? Similarly, now in your case, if they came around and told us for the next several years, next five years, this is what life is. Mm-hmm. We'll have to restructure entirely the way society functions and we have to completely rethink how we have built capitalist or socio-capitalist structures within be within which we all live and rethink the way jobs work and money works and maybe five years from now there won't be a thing such as Bombay Bicycle Club doing a thing such as concerts, right? Maybe your brain would just turn around and say, okay, well, that's horrible and that's the, an entirely new world I have to get used to. Let's see how I can do that. Mm-hmm. But this uncertainty of maybe in a few months things will be fine. That's your brain's a, it's not a big enough thing for your brain to process yeah it, it is it is to a large extent the uncertainty yeah but it feels like our brains would be better suited to adapt to a new life rather than to sustain this sort of weird uh, purgatory that we're in right now yeah. and that's i mean basically i imagine this is what purgatory is <laughs> Where you sit around in a whole lot of nothing. Wait, wait to know what the rest of your face. <laughs> I mean, basically, this is like we're in the last season of Lost. Okay, it's yeah. You haven't seen Lost, have you? No. It's a whole thing. There's a bunch of people that are trapped on an island, and the island has mysterious powers, and that like this other group of people on the island called the others, and then they spend the whole episode like people keep saying, "Oh, the island is purgatory, purgatory," and then the creators like, "Oh, it's not purgatory, it's not purgatory," and in the end, it is purgatory, which is really annoying. Sounds so like that was that was a summary of Lost, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I give I give you an example from my own life about this. Uh, when I was in my last job Mm. Uh, even though I loved the people I worked with and you know this about me even though I loved the people I worked with I was extremely unhappy Mm. right I did not like the work I was doing for nobody's fault it was just the work that was on the table at the time right Mm. I didn't enjoy the work I was doing I didn't have time to do anything else because there was so much work to be done and I was leading an entire team Mm -hmm. right I think in that time, my brain convinced itself that this was the end. This okay. life that you're living, once my brain just sort of one day, I think, switched off. Okay. And just went, yep, it's over now. Mm. I think it would have been in August or September, around my birthday of 2017, that I started getting really into Anthony Bourdain. Mm. And I think it changed my outlook a little bit. Here was this man who had been a heroin addict and he had spent years of his life in the worst possible shape, doing the worst possible jobs. His career had gone up and then down and then round and just all over the place. Where he found his salvation was going to new places, doing new things, meeting new people, eating new foods. Mm -hmm. And 
I I don't know. Whenever I watch an Anthony Bourdain episode, to me, it's just so much more than some guy going to Vietnam and having a bowl of soup, right? Yeah. It's just there's this man who's just taking life by the horns, mm-hmm. and he's going out there and he's doing it like he's not sitting at home and thinking about these adventures that he could have had mm-hmm. or great things that he did in his past. He is there in that moment, whether he is in a suburb of New York where he lives mm. or whether he is in an old colonial mansion in Punjab, which is also a thing he did. I sort of decided to apply for a master's degree in an entirely different country, on an entirely different continent mm. when I had never lived outside of my hometown before. I get through the college that I wanted to. I quit mm. my job. And then with my family, I go on like a one-month vacation across Canada and the US. Mm. I am feeling this thrill. I am feeling this thing that's happening. Yes, I'm doing this. I'm taking chances. I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm doing new things, exploring new things. Yeah. And in the middle of that vacation, Anthony Bourdain dies. I woke up at my uncle's place in Canada and we were just sitting around in his living room. He's like, oh, by the way, Anthony Bourdain died. And I don't think he realized what he just said to me in that moment. Because this was a man who changed my life drastically over the last six months. Mm. And just as I was beginning to follow in his footsteps, the first step I had taken, and he died. And once I got over the sadness, which lasted for a day, I think. Since then, I think my mindset has also sort of changed in that way. Now, when I watch like David Chang shows or anything, or when I follow all these people, on Instagram has become this sort of idea of, you know what, Anthony Bourdain did this till the day he didn't. Mm. He never slowed down. Yeah. There was always something new to do mm. till the day he died. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped me a lot. I think, I think that's beautiful. And I, I mean, none of that is, none of what you told me is new information because we've, of course, discussed this in the past. Um, and I do not have any conversation where I don't bring up Anthony Bourdain once. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, at this point, I'd like to clarify something. My nature or, or, this, or this inclination to look at the past for comfort has never stopped me from taking risks in my life. I have consistently put myself outside of my comfort zone and done things unimaginable even for myself. Like eating pineapple on things for some. Not a fan, but I tried. <laughs> but you liked it when I made you try it. You liked it. Not on pizza. I was on a, on a freaking like pita sub. Yep, yes, fair enough. Oh Fine, God, I, I miss pita like so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was really delicious. Anyway, what I was saying is that it has never been a reason why I don't travel. I mean, I'm doing a PhD in another country. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that what you've, what you've just described as an ideal um, that Bourdain kind of instilled in you is something that I see in myself also. But I guess it's this particular moment, especially when I have, when I feel like I've lost all control I've just lost all control. I have lost Mm. control over the future. Mm. I have lost control over my present. I have lost control over my PhD. I have lost control over my diet. You know, like there's there's like 30 different ways in which I feel like I've lost control. In this Mm. time, I need a tether. And the only thing stable for me right now is the thing that's already gone by. Now, once again, 
clarification number two i do not do not condone this behavior at a political cultural social level i mean this is literally what's taking <laughs> our world down right now this exact kind this of this idea of yes i mean that's exactly. essentially what make america great again is nostalgia for some imagined reality great britain brexit <laughs> india like everything right now and you know this that is what i do in my thesis i critique mm-hmm. that on some levels but mm-hmm. at my individual level like i said it has never stopped me from ensuring that i take those risks i change things in that sense i which is of course <laughs> not what countries do not what countries <laughs> for whatever no no but no level. but yeah you do have a point there you do you know what i mean so in so but in this time my tether then becomes the only stability is you know I mean Harry Potter it's not a literary gem no i <laughs> it's it but it's but it depends it's, on who you ask but uh, <laughs> but you know listening to like dave matthews band i mean I, it's not like so, the pinnacle of good music but it reminds yeah, yeah, I mean, me of the time hey, when don't, don't don't share on dave matthews for no reason it's perfectly <laughs> nice musician <laughs> i've been listening to that music <laughs> for like the last three days but anyway i guess i guess why we discussed this and what i've actually learned from this conversation uh not that you should learn from <laughs> the conversations that we have but i guess what <laughs> yes what please is- please let's let's continue this free therapy that i'm providing <laughs> no but what i'm trying to say is that it's interesting because there are a lot of layers to what how you feel how i feel and can i can i float a theory hit me it's not that you and i do different things mhm and you and i are standings for whoever may be listening to this podcast who identifies with this right. you do take risks and the thought of taking risks does excite you and make you happy mm-hmm. hey and i do reminisce and i do look back on of course things and memories and i do find joy in them i mean dude i have an entire playlist on spotify that is just like 2000s alternative rock and punk rock and emo shit after this please share that i will share that with you what is this i got to be honest is mostly avril levine and my chemical romance but oh, uh, and and i'm so there for that <laughs> yeah and i do listening to that playlist makes me feel good it makes me feel happy but i think happiness and comfort are different the idea is you don't find comfort in those risks you don't find comfort in that excitement you find comfort in the things you have experienced already mm. and maybe for me those things remind me of the unchangeable mm-hmm. so for you the lack of control that you're talking about that the new risks the new exciting challenges they pose the lack of control mm-hmm. right for me is the exact opposite what's happened is already out of my control oh interesting i can't do anything about it That's but the future so is something i can write the way i want i That's could decide the moment this is over i could decide screw it i'm moving to singapore and i'm just going to live there for a while and then i'll see maybe i'll move somewhere else i, I am the one who's calling that. it that's a really cool way to think about it like when i when i, I go i mean you do it. like you do like control as no, a person and no, i'm no. i don't mean that in a bad way like this no. that's just Listen, the you personality you in a bad way i i am who i am i really do like this is your personality control. yeah you like yeah. control that's fine i don't like control as much but yes i do to a certain degree i also like control yeah yeah no so what that does define for that, uh, that when i for example go on holiday 
literally everybody, all my close friends, including you, know this about me that I have this thing of the first night. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, it's not just first night thing, right? Like, so my yeah, first yeah. night. I'm very always, yeah then they're not they're not the most pleasant evenings for me but the reason why it's called a first night thing and not a two night thing or a three night thing or a four night thing is because once that evening's over that's it my i have acclimatized and suddenly that thing is not so different and challenging and doesn't qualify as a change quote-unquote anymore mm. right and and then uh, then once again i feel like i'm in control i feel like this new place isn't new to me anymore and that sense of adventure of like exploring and like finding you know eating new food meeting new people partying before him becomes home becomes second nature mm. you know and and in that case you take away my control i'm fine with it i am happy to stumble upon something that was not in my itinerary or whatever this is just a small example. as long as you have the initial sense of control yeah and 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 i guess and i guess that's how it is for me even for other small things i mean the holiday holiday thing is one example but you can really zoom out and think about it in any aspect of my life i mean when i first moved countries i didn't have the best like first couple of weeks i was a wreck i thought that made a made the biggest mistake of my life and i remember and now this is home now i would not rather live anywhere else right so that's that's always that's always the case with me whereas i know people like you i mean you you've changed countries you've changed jobs and you snap right into it right like you're you're like yes i was made for this and you sleep like a baby on your first night of a vacation right you you don't <laughs> sleep i sleep like a baby most nights but it, exactly and and that's amazing but and and that's just who we are i guess it's just interesting how our minds choose to deal with what mini crisis situations right yeah your brain can define anything as a crisis what's interesting to me in this is uh again because the podcast is called cross the excess this will keep coming up but us in relationships mm-hmm. one thing that i know for you mm-hmm. is in a relationship you do crave this past that you believe was the glory period of the relationship where things were much better and the person you were with your partner was much more expressive or much nicer to you even if right? they never were <laughs> they never <True>. were <laughs> absolutely like me you always kept telling me oh you used to be so expressive and so loving and i always used to listen to you say that and think i have no idea who she's talking about cuz <laughs> i was never that guy <laughs> yeah yeah that's the problem so yeah. That, yeah and the same thing like the same thing for me like i have this need to make things go faster in a relationship i have this need to get to a sort of serious ish level very quickly and i've done that in all my relationships and i'm always looking to the future i'm never looking at i guess neither of us are that's a problem neither of us are looking at the present yeah oh that and that's a problem in relationships yeah. like you the whole idea is enjoy the present sometimes you just sort of should sit and look at the trees yeah instead of just driving past them God, that's, and that's what i that's so that's so true and and that really is a bit of a bummer no it it it's it really like invades my life this this issue i mean i'm learning from it every day so for example I'm now in third year of my PhD, but so often I I don't have the op like I have the opposite problem, which is that I'm constantly thinking about oh, but remember the days when I was in first year 
and like yep, i didn't yep, have to yep. you know i didn't have to worry about this and that and rather than thinking rather than enjoying the fact that right now i'm in third year of phd and soon i won't be and then i will be like oh remember when i was in third year of phd and not you know bloody like unemployed looking for jobs <laughs> and you know so it it's that but, but i've learned i learned from it every day because now i genuinely do try to make an active effort to really enjoy where i am but you know i guess the we're going to we're going to wrap up but i i guess the point is that if <laughs> if you're listening yes. and if you subscribe to either like personalities or whatever or identify with either bus you do you like deal with your prices however you want to deal with it you want to look to the past you want to immerse yourself in the past do that you could look to the future you could be like ananya watch ugly delicious think about all the amazing food you're going to eat once this ends and whatever help you know at the end of the day yep. you have to or just live in the present just Yeah. do not think about what's going to happen or think about times past and just live in the present probably the healthiest nice approach <laughs> probably the healthiest approach which neither of us are going to follow no nope. no watch new things read new things play learn an instrument or just take time out to relax because yeah take some time and just realize where it terrible terrible times things are not normal things are all over the place and so just don't be so hard on yourself forget about the future forget about the past yeah live for the present and do what makes you happy yeah so uh the lesson for of today's episode <laughs> is <laughs> live in the present <laughs> we did like models <laughs> of the story <laughs> the end of no the but <laughs> so if you're listening to this mm-hmm. and you subscribe to either of the personalities which we just talked about Hmm. or you just like to stay in the present tell us things that give you hope because i mean Please. god knows Love god it. knows people could use reasons to have hopeful and we will feature them on the next episode yeah. if we make one and Wait. that's the podcast <laughs> bye and now for our favorite segment of the podcast called x's and o's uh, where we discuss <laughs> stories that you guys have sent us and i've got to say we've received a lot more than we thought we would oh yeah i'm really hard pressed to pick the ones that we can feature due to lack of time it was really hard pick don't get us wrong we're pleasantly surprised it's it's, it's amazing i mean <laughs> yeah, even, yeah. even please don't stop sending us stories <laughs> <laughs> yeah even since the release of our first episode we've been overwhelmed by the response and we hope you continue to enjoy the rest of the episodes without further ado let's start Ananya, do you want to start with your story? This story comes from Shazida, who's currently living in Bradford in the UK. This is a story not about her, but about her friend who was informed by his parents, as many of us are, that babies come from God. <laughs> And yes. <laughs> I mean, come on, we've all had that uh, belief God, growing up. I still think babies come from God. <laughs> Where do they come from, Ananya? Yeah, uh, please. Like I would know, but this particular person, when he was very young, in a class about the reproductive system in school, got into a very heated debate with the teacher because the teacher was insistent that there's a reproductive process biologically that happens, and he was insistent that no, you have to send a dua to Allah. Oh my God! And then Allah answers the dua and sends you a little baby. 
which I think is simultaneously hilarious and adorable. I love that story yeah, so I much. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people in India would relate. And much um, older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This next story is from Dakshita Gandhi, who is from Singapore. And she really committed to her storytelling because she sent us a picture and everything. A picture that we will put up on our Instagram. She sent me a picture of those little Hot Wheels cars that we used to play with as kids. Now, in the bottom of the car, at at the bottom of it, I don't know if you remember, but there used to be these like lines. Like the grid of yeah, like represent car parts. Completely, yeah, yeah, completely meaningless grids, basically. Of course, yeah. Now, in this case, Dakshida is not the messy, she is the messer. So she is now bullying her younger brother by telling him that grid actually was a treasure map of their actual colony in West Delhi. (laughs) I love it. And that, one of the little buttons in the bottom was the treasure. So then, Shitesh, her brother, would actually go out in the evenings and go looking for this treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I that's, love that's so it. many things about that story. Number one, it was Hot Wheels, which I love. Number two, you're giving a child the hope of finding treasure, which as a child, there is no greater joy. You want to find treasure. Number oh, three, it happens in West Delhi. Which is by far the most interesting place in the world. If you've never been, I highly recommend it. Yep. And also, I just generally think it's a very creative prank. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And she, she, she just probably felt these little lines at the bottom of the car and thought, hey, let's mess with my brother. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder how far I can go before he goes out and starts looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Speaking of messing with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next story comes to us from Kriti from Bombay. Kriti, growing up, was told for many, many years that if you have a fever, you must take a long shower so that you can wash the fever out. Now, this is something I have recently realized a lot of people were told because I discussed it with some other people. They shared the same belief for a long time, except Kriti shared this belief for a very long time. Apparently, we hope nobody is following that for coronavirus. Really hope Just they're PSA, not. The virus, yeah, the cannot virus cannot be washed off. <laughs> you cannot take a shower and wash away corona. That's not a thing. <laughs> but in any case, Kiri then one day told her mom that she has a fever and she must take a shower. And her mother over the phone very calmly explained to her that when she told her that, it was because Kriti had used the fever as an excuse to not shower for two days. <laughs> and her mother thought this would be a good idea without realizing that this would carry on to, for nearly another two decades. <laughs> oh man. I love it. Okay, and uh, that sounds like the kind of yeah. thing I'm going to do to my kids as well. So I'm perfectly on board with this. We know what you're going to do to your kids. Don't say that so ominously. You're going to get me it put on It is an ominous thing. I will say it ominously. <laughs> the things you have said about... I'm just the things going that to you mess with them a little. The you haven't yet had. You're making me sound like an abusive parent, dude. I will just mess no, with no, them a little. Ananya, you know what? Ananya, use Let's, your words. I'm just... Tell, tell the listeners. Go on. I will just... I will play pranks on them and shit. I will not... I will not destroy their lives or anything. I will just, you know, teach them like mm-hmm. made up words or like convince them that like they know a language that they actually don't know. It's it'll like fun stuff. Oh my god. Fun Basically, stuff. there's going to be a podcast in 30 years' time. 
they will be bitching about you. <laughs> I'm sure if they are my kids, they will see the humor in it. I'm sure. Okay, this next one is from Pranjal, who is also from Singapore, who also pranked his younger sister by telling her for the longest time that five is the biggest number in the universe. Lovely. It is just the biggest number. Now, Fantastic. you'd wonder, you'd wonder how this is an advantage to him. It is because when all the relatives would come and they would give them money, all, all the kids, they all the kids would get money. Then as, Pranjal, as would they do, yes. His, yes, Pranjal would swap his five rupees with uh, his sister's hundred rupee note and her, his sister would be perfectly happy. She would be ecstatic because My she guy. has the largest amount. Well done, well done. Now this is this is a win-win, right? It's not a bad thing at all because she's also happy. And really, what is a five-year-old or six-year-old going to do with money? She's getting satisfaction. He's getting money. Everyone's a winner. Big fan of the prank. <laughs> the next story <laughs> comes to us from Sumedha, who lives in Toronto. While growing up, she was told that if you drink water that has already touched someone else's lip, like if you share a glass with someone, a concept of Jhuta Pani, which most brown kids will be familiar with. Only Can't have Jhuta Pani. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. She was told that it will infect her in some way. Like she gets some kind of infection. But again, they never told her what kind of infection or what will happen to her. So growing up, she had this traumatic fear of like she will touch like someone's water to her lips and immediately blood and cuts and pus will just start oozing out of her lips. So just this paralyzing fear of, oh, God forbid, if you have touched that water, you'd better not be giving it to me. I actually super relate to that. Even I had a bit of a phobia, although it wasn't as as drastic. But it was for, for, for quite a few years, I didn't have anybody else's uh, juta. Yep, yep. I have a friend who doesn't drink Juta stuff even to this day and she's 28 except and this is and this is lovely unless she really really wants to drink something in which case she'll make sure she just doesn't drink from the same edge of the glass that you drank which logically (laughs) makes no sense at all because it's the same liquid done that i've i've been there and you know what i won't be surprised if this happens this happened because some fine day my dad the coke lover as we know him (laughs) Just told me that I couldn't have a sip from his bottle of coke because you know something horrible might happen. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic callback joke. Great callback to the previous episode. <laughs> All right. One each, one more each for both of us. Yeah. Go for it. So this one I am relaying from memory because Prerna, who is based in Delhi at the moment, sent this to me uh, via voice note. And I don't need to at all like struggle to remember this because this this may as well have been my story. Uh, her parents told her and I think a lot of the girls were told this by their parents because of the whole issue around safety growing up in India that uh, at night you shouldn't approach bushes or trees because plants sleep at night. So, so Kretna and me, we were told by our parents and I'm sure so many other other little girls that if you approach plants at night, you will wake them up and you will disturb them and something horrible will happen. The difference between Kretna and me, however, is that I grew up and I realized (laughs) this was not not the truth at all. (laughs) But Kretna, at the age of like at least 20, at least 20, she's in Delhi with her friends in her hostel at night and they're taking a long walk 
and uh, then one of the friends tries to just like you know how you just touch the plants at night like as in you just touch them while you're walking right next to them sure so prerna's immediate instinct was to say dude what are you doing you're going to wake them up <laughs> and then <laughs> your friend just goes like what think about what you're saying <laughs> and it wasn't until prerna had spoken the words out loud <laughs> that she realized the fallacy uh, i love these and, moments of self realization when you when you realize yourself what you are doing absolutely the friend and have to correct her prerna yeah. just knew in that moment that her parents oh, had wait a second <laughs> also can i just point out the brilliance of the parents in convincing kids that you shouldn't touch plants because you'll wake them up but also convincing them that their parents will wake them up at 6 a.m for school and that's fine oh yeah that that's normal the, that's and totally no fun. kid will question the hypocrisy that why am i as a human not allowed the same rights that we so actively grant plants <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason why that episode is called kids will believe anything yep <laughs> all right fine story mm-hmm This one comes to us from Lakshmi in Bangalore. While she was growing up, she was told that uh, they will leave butter out for the Hindu god Krishna on the occasion of Janmashtami, which is a celebration of the Hindu god Krishna. She once decided to stay up till two a.m. and sort of catch the god in the act of consuming the butter. Poor Lakshmi. Poor Lakshmi. <laughs> Needless to say, that was a fruitless endeavor. But then she questioned her mother and said, "You told me he will come and he will eat the butter. I didn't see anyone. Now, can you guess? And I know you can because you know what parents were said in the situation. What did they say? They said, "Of of course you didn't see the god because the god's all knowing and he probably saw and he probably knew you were awake <laughs> and so obviously waited for the moment you yep. fell asleep." Yep. <laughs> Literally convincing kids that. mythical figures have nothing better to do than to just wait for opportunities when yep. people are asleep <laughs> they have all the power in the world but they're scared that yeah. a kid might see them <laughs> <laughs> i love it i just truly love it and and regardless of what religion you subscribe to or even if you don't subscribe to mm-hmm. there is some mythical figure that you've probably been told will visit your oh, house 100% 100% I had this with tooth fairies. Yeah. Please tell me that was when you were much younger. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, because I realized around the time when I was like seven that there's no such thing as Santa Claus. But I knew hmm. if I if I didn't play along, I would stop getting gifts. So Santa Claus would not be in my house. It was always the tooth fairy. That's why I could easily believe that Santa wasn't real. <laughs> But I I needed to have this selective <laughs> yeah. uh, understanding of uh, what existed and what didn't. in order to keep getting the chocolates yep. and the money yep at 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 some point i think i was 11 or something where i asked my mother what is santa getting me for christmas and my mother just sort of looked me dead in the eyes like i know you know. <laughs> stop it there's no gifts you know I what's mean. up <laughs> it's time we stop now they have in i didn't even argue like fair enough you are right i have known for a while it should stop now <laughs> i actually love that <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode's X's and O's, and we hope you will continue to send us stories for all our episodes. And watch out for episode three, which should be out super soon. Take right. care. Bye. Bye.